All right, everybody, welcome to Failure TV. Uh, we're a little late starting off today. We had some uh, technical difficulties, but uh, this month uh, I'd like to welcome third generation chocolatier at Perfection Chocolates in Sydney, Australia. He is a social media connoisseur and trainer and has been a featured speaker at the Periscope Summit. Um, John Capos, aka Chocolate Johnny, welcome to the show. <laughs> G'day, Cray. Mate, thank you so much uh, for inviting me on. Uh, mate, failure TV. I think it's great. How are you? I'm very happy to have you. I am doing wonderful. It's a, it's a gorgeous, it's one of the hottest days we've had uh, this year uh, out in BC and where I am in Canada. So it's a, it's a gorgeous day. <laughs> it's, it's hot for you, um, what, 27 degrees Celsius? <laughs> uh, it's uh, 34 degrees Celsius today. So, Mate, you guys would be melting. Canadians <laughs> would be melting out there, mate. Absolutely. In Australian Sydney, that's sort of warm. We're freezing at 21 degrees, mate. You guys like at tw minus 21. It's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan of the cold weather, and I would love to come out to Australia and get myself climatized to that kind of weather. I I'd much prefer the heat. <laughs> you would love it. You would love it. Absolutely. Um, so uh, welcome to the show. Um, a Thanks, couple man. things uh, I wanted to start with. Um, you're a third generation chocolatier. Um, do you want to tell me a bit about that and like how you got started into it and how your family kind of got started into that? Well, basically, back in 1939, my great uncle and my great auntie came from Greece and uh, came to Australia. And of course, their background was in baking and chocolates and sweets, not more so chocolates, but in sweets and confectionery. And uh, they met up with this uh, elderly couple and they decided to uh, open up a little store here in Rose Bay in Sydney, Australia. And then that kept on going and uh, they built a name for themselves. Now we're talking back in 1939. Then my parents were, were introduced into the business back in the 70s. Well, they took over when my great uncle and auntie passed away. And from there, I, as a little boy, um, remember, remember going to the factory and making marshmallow with my dad and peanut brittle. And my Saturday morning job wasn't a paper run like most of my mates had. Mine was stirring big pots of peanut brittle. And, and uh, I, you know, at one point it's like, oh, I hated it. And all my mates were going, let me do it. Let me do it. And I'm like, oh, man. I would have been that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we want your job. Come and throw papers. I go, I'll throw papers. You do this. Because, you know, it's so funny when you're in that environment day in, day out, day in, day out, the, the novelty wears off. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it's a great way of growing up. And, um, yeah, I, it was a great my great family business that's still going strong gosh it's what 78 years later and you know 1939 so 79 yeah. years later yeah definitely a, a, an impressive run and an impressive history uh I, as somebody who did throw those papers uh in an area with hills like this <laughs> i much would have preferred <laughs> to stuff. Yeah. Uh, mate trust me sometimes when the caramel or the peanut brittle would burn your hand uh, you know you'd be wearing gloves and a little splat would come on because you'd be tired of doing it you'd think mm, maybe those papers aren't that a bad idea but uh, <laughs> there are the benefits of both i think absolutely i got i got some really good exercise and uh um, my, my uh, leg muscles for, for biking are absolutely insane. So <laughs> I, I definitely got something, something out of that. Well, you know what? You should have ridden your, you should have done the paper run one week and then come, come to our place and stirred the pot with a, with your hands, the muscles. So you'd be like fully defined, mate, but top and bottom. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Now I work on a computer all day, so yeah. I'm missing the upper definition a lot, a lot more. <laughs> now I've, uh, I've had some friends and uh, other people that I've known that have uh, been bakers and have worked with chocolate in, in the past. And I know it is quite a difficult medium to work in. So um, speaking of failure, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> you, you must've run into a lot of different issues like that. Right. You know what it's mate, it's not just chocolate. So we, we, we don't do just chocolate. We do confectionery as well. That's one of our specialties. Um, oh my gosh. I can tell you so many times and our company's called perfection chocolates and you think you've got it right. And OMG, sometimes you'll have 20 kilo, 40 kilo, 50 kilo batches go wrong. And you're thinking, what happened? And you go back to your, your old recipe book and you look up to the gods. My dad's been, my dad passed away 10 years ago. And you go, dad, what happened? Where did we go wrong? Why is this not right? And uh, yeah, we've had some big failures. And the funny thing is talking about turning a failure into a positive, into a success, Many of the times, I'll, I'll give you an example. So we made a honeycomb once, and honeycomb is very susceptible to humidity and um, temperature. And uh, I think one of the guys forgot to turn on the humidifiers to take out the humidity, and it was a really hot, stinking day. We made this big batch, 50 kilos or 40 kilos. It was on the tables, and it just turned soft. It went really terrible. Where he was, one of the production guys was all panicking. Oh, what am I? I said, look, don't worry about it. You know, shit happens. <laughs> you know, it, it will we'll be okay. And um, he said, oh, what are we going to do? We've got to throw it out. I said, you know what? Let's just make something with it. So we, uh, I briefly remember adding a bit of chocolate to it and some stuff and mixing it in in on the table. And then we just gave it a samples, and people went crazy for it. They went, what is this stuff? And I went. Um, I don't know. We just, we had a massive meltdown with honeycomb. So yeah, the, the good thing about the chocolate game, if you can, it, it, out of your failures come some really good successes. I'd say eight out of 10, you can save them, but those two out of 10, no, nah, they go in the bin and it's like, ah, oh. so yeah, we, we've had a few failures, but thank God, most of them we've saved. Yeah, I can only imagine being a kid seeing that much chocolate going into into a bin somewhere going, <gasps> yeah, yeah. yeah, the horror, the horror. <laughs> They'd be like, I don't care what it tastes like, let me have it. <laughs> exactly. And it's cool that you, you managed to turn it into something else. Do you, do you still attempt to make that with, at a honeycomb stuff? Like, have you tried to reproduce that at all? Yeah, no, we still make the honeycomb stuff. Um, oh, my gosh. So... Oh, I don't know. This is a, this is a, I don't know if you call this a failure, but we have a, what we call a chocolate enrober. So the chocolate um, uh, gets piped into this massive belt and that's how you coat and cover the, the chocolate, uh, the pieces, say of honeycomb, peanut brittle, nougat. And it looks like a Willy Wonka river of chocolate flowing. It makes a massive curtain about a meter wide, about 500 centimeters, which is half a meter wide. Anyway, as it goes along, um, it catches on a big net, the, the offcuts. And those, the stuff in there isn't bad. It, it actually is quite good. And one day I had to clean it out 
and I dumped it on the table on one of the papers and I was just going to throw it out. Anyway, that solidified and one of my mates came past and uh, he said, oh, what's this? I said, oh, mate, it's just, don't worry about it. It's the offcuts. Don't, don't, don't eat it. Anyway, he behind my back, not, he just ate it and he just ate it and just ate it and couldn't stop eating. And I said, what's, what are you doing? He says, this is the best stuff I've ever, and I ate some and, and what's in it is a whole lot of different bits and pieces. So, um, you know, there's bits of nougat, marshmallow, caramel, peanut brittle, a whole lot of orange peel. It was just because it gets caught on the net so it doesn't go through the system. That sounds so and good. <laughs> I, mate, honestly, Cray, I'm like, have we found something here? Anyway, I tried to replicate it. We sort of dissected everything. Um, and I took some samples to the shop, to one of our stores, and people went crazy. What is this stuff? And one lady says, it tastes like crack. It's so good. man. And they go, and another lady says, chocolate, Johnny, that's the best mix you've ever made. I'm thinking, hang on a moment. We could make this. So we, we actually replicated it, and we called it chocolate Johnny's crack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, now I'm a legal chocolate crack dealer. dealer. <laughs> I'm a crack dealer and I go to jail for it and I make money legally. So we, we make this product. It's called Chocolate Johnny's Crack or Chocolate Johnny's Mix. And I'm telling you, mate, it is, it's now got a, an official recipe. Can you believe it? Like we weigh out the, the orange peel, the ginger, the nougat, the honeycomb. We actually weigh it out and make it and mix it up in the big pots and uh, pour it out on the table, cut it up and bag it and sell it in the shop. It's so crazy that a little, uh, I don't know, do you call that a failure? But turning something, um, and that's what I love, that's what I love doing. And I do that and I teach that in, in life as well. And when I got my clients and customers and other small businesses that you got to turn that, what you think is a failure into a success um, and you can't let that Absolutely. knock you down. I couldn't agree a hundred percent. I I agree a hundred percent. In my eyes, um, nothing's really a failure. It's it's a teaching moment. And um, what what would you consider a, a failure? Because everybody has their own uh, outlook on failure. They've got their own perspective on failure. And I'd love to hear what you would consider a oh, failure mate. on your side. I, I'm, you know, I don't know. That, I I saw that question and I think I don't know I, I'm so optimistic I'm so positive you know people like say to me what are you on and I, I don't know I've just see um I always see the light at the end of the tunnel and mate I have my dark moments and my bad moments and you know the light globe is broken and that's a failure but when it really it's not or you know I've invested in 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 people and or i've invested um, time and money and i've invested in other businesses i i don't know craig you know i don't see like you I, I sorry i see like you i don't think anything is a failure what you've got to do is take whatever happened and take the positive out of all of whatever happened to you and use that to make sure you don't feel like that you had a failure with your next investment or your next business or your next relationship or your next, um, uh, I don't know, whatever, you know? Yeah. And that's what most people I think uh, that 
that feel that they've failed and they can't move on. And I think that's one of the the issues is they're they're not seeing that light. They they've been blinded by the darkness, which is kind stop of a, an oxymoron. But mate, stop wasting your bloody time. Yeah. You're wasting your time on the in the stuff that 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 you know that you fa- you reckon you failed. Try and mm. you know try and push through that brick wall, knock it down, look through the tunnel and find that bloody light and say, you know what? I invested $100,000. I lost $100,000 or I invested a dollar. And what I learned, what did I learn from this? What did I learn from this coach that I had? What did I learn from this business that I had? What did I learn from this, this, my, the partner that I had? what the the you know the marriage that i had what did i learn from buying this car that was a lemon what did i learn from uh, getting this builder to build my house what did i learn from looking at the glass half empty or half full you know there's bloody water in it whether yeah. it's half empty or half full it's water drink it you <laughs> are so lucky that we can drink it most well, people there's millions of people out there who can't even drink water so yeah there's actually a really great quote about that. Is the glass half half empty or half full? Um, does it matter? The glass is refillable. Yeah. And mate, I, I love that quote. Oh my God. We are and true, Cray, we live in countries that are so amazing and that we can walk up to any tap and fill it up. It's empty, mm-hmm. mate, fill it up again. When we look at then you you start looking at these people who live uh, around the world who can't even get a drop of water and their water is just terrible. We got first world problems that we should stop thinking about. Absolutely, and it, it happens on a regular basis. And uh, I can honestly say I have fallen into that trap of being concerned about first world problems uh, too many times. And it did take me a number of years to realize, you know, that failure wasn't a failure. Um, but you know, gr- growing up, um, I, I was bullied a lot, so. Um, I, I kind of ended up in, in the wrong mindset that I wasn't good enough and, and all that other kind of stuff. So, you know, being able to push past that and finally see that was a huge realization. And now being able to help others uh, through Failure TV understand and, and see how other people deal with it, I think, is uh, is an amazing thing for me and, well, and for others. Well, I think that's that's I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I didn't know much about you and, you know, you being transparent about that. And um, telling people that that was an issue in your life and that you've come good from it and now can help people uh, on the other side, mate, that's a testament to you and you should be really, really proud of yourself. That's one, you. you know, you know, there's that, Cray, that one person out there who's maybe watching this right now who just heard, not me, but you, because they're watching you all the time and who have never heard about you, but have never heard your story and they go, oh my God, did he go through that? wow, I'm going through that now. I really like this guy. Thank God that he's gone past it and he's grown up and he's, you know, a better person for it. So, mate, it's good stuff. It's very good stuff. Thank you. Um, couldn't have done it with, uh, without the help of a bunch of other people that uh, helped help me see things finally. And, you know, uh, I was able to, to learn uh, from, from their wisdom and, and their failures in, in life. Um, and, Lots, lots of good has come come from. I think I've I've been able to to give a lot back, and and that's made me uh, uh, a lot happier person. I used to be a lot more negative and stuff. So it's uh, it, it's great yeah. to be on the other side of that fence. <laughs> and and the thing is, I, from what I understand of you right now, is that 
you don't want anything. You just want to be heard and help people. I think um, already I've picked that up. It's like, man, I don't want anything. I just want you to hear my story and know that, you know, failure, there is no failure. You know, you can always look on the bright side. I know it's a cliche and I know that, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is a cliche but, and the brick walls there. But if you just look past it, if you just take that deep breath and, and, and get help, you know, this is the most important thing. You were helped by your friends. Maybe it was your mum, your dad, your mentors. It was your, someone or something helped you. Then this is what I say to people as well. Don't, don't stop reaching out. You know, reach out. I have a very good friend of mine who went through a major mental health crisis. And, um, uh, uh, you know, I won't mention his name if he watches this. Sorry, mate. But, um, you know, I, I didn't realize that that it was that bad until he told me that um, he was watching me on live streaming. And um, he said I was pissing him. He was pissing himself laughing so much that um, it, it changed something in his brain and, you know, made him realize that life's really good. And he saw the light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, that's amazing. Mate, yeah. You, mate, you should be proud of yourself. And doing this is a really good achievement because you're reaching out to people who, really need the help so well done absolutely and I, I wanted to show because most people think that they can't they can't succeed and they can't uh, go far because of their circumstances in life but like pretty much everybody that i have interviewed they're, they're just normal people they they started a normal life they most of them never had you know rich parents or anything that, that gave them a leg up they just they worked their asses off they had that dream they really wanted to do something and and they made it happen and, and i want people to realize that you, you don't need all these things that you know the media makes you think you need to to be a success you can do it on your own you just you have to get in that mindset and you need to realize that you can do this you said two or three important words Firstly, you said, what's your big vision? Your vision. Yeah. Where do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? Who do you want to be? Put it in your head, and then that's your mindset as well. So you've got a big vision. What is your big vision? When, you are, when people are watching this, you know, what's your big vision? Where, where do you want to be? How, and then implement it. There are so many ways. Like Craig said, there's so many people out there who started with nothing and who had worse off um, circumstances than Cray and I did or you did. And I mean, I don't know if you guys watch Cray. I don't don't know if you watch Gary V. I absolutely love Gary. And Gary Gary Vaynerchuk says an amazing thing where, you know, I know, okay, your mum was an alcoholic, your dad did this, your brother did that. Okay, that's in the past. You know what? I know it hurts and I know you're in pain. I don't know, but but you've got to go past that and you've got to be that better person to be better for yourself so you can take care of yourself and create the life that you want. It's you can create the life that you want, not them. And don't let them beat you. And it's just some of the stuff he says is really, really good, similar to what you're saying. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I love that, uh, that mentality of it too. Like, um, uh, it's the, it's the perception that that gets a lot of people. And um, I've talked about this on a previous uh, episode where somebody had asked, you know, what, what made me want to start this. And one of the reasons was uh, one of my coworkers one day um, I was starting a new project and, and they're just like, how, 
how can you keep starting these projects? Like, I'd be terrified uh, uh, of failing and, and not of it not working. I'm like, what makes you think I'm not terrified? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. well, because you keep doing it. I'm like, yeah, and it scares the crap out of me. If it doesn't scare the crap out of me, it, it's not something I need to pursue. Like, if it's yeah. something that I'm fully comfortable with, uh, it doesn't better me. I'm not going to learn anything. It's just something I can do. So it, I started looking at it of, you know, when, when I come up with these projects and stuff, it's like, what, what can I do with this? What's going to be the end goal out of this? And, you know, what's going to happen? And if it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, then I, I don't think it's really worth pursuing. So find those uncomfortable moments and cherish them. <laughs> That's right. What's the end goal? What do you want to achieve at the end of it? And um, the, the journey that you're going to take, of course, like you said, is going to be really scary. But wow, it could be also exciting. So, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of journeys, like your journey with the uh, the social media, you're now you know people come to you for social media stuff. But you, when you started, you kind of jumped in and just kind of went with it. Like, what was your journey <laughs> Mate, with social media? How did you get into that? Cray, don't you know Chocolate Johnny's an overnight success that's been doing social media for ten years, mate? What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> I'm an overnight success. <laughs> So, well, God, where did it start? My first, my, my first YouTube clip was 10 years ago. People find that hard to believe. I was on Snapchat when it first came out. I love Snapchat, still do. Instagram, I was on it when it first came out. I, I'm, on Twitter, I was maybe six or nine months a bit late. Facebook, as soon as I knew I could put a business on there, I did. I was on Facebook ages ago, you know, when it first sort of came out and it was in Australia. Um, you know, I'm on all platforms. Anything that I see, um, I just love it. I'll, I'll put my name to it. But the thing is, I'm an early adopter. Um, I don't know, am I a visionary or do I see the light for small businesses or entrepreneurs, how they can utilize it? Plus, I love I just love playing. I'm a bit of a geek and a nerd. You know, I love experimenting uh, what, what, how it works, how I can utilize it for myself and then how I can utilize it for my business. And in turn, um, yeah, I've, you know, gosh, uh, through the power, this is one of my, when I talk uh, through my, one of my talks is through the power of live video and social media, Perfection Chocolates and Sweets has become a global brand. And in turn, Chocolate Johnny has also become a global brand as well. Uh, you know, I've been really fortunate enough. Uh, I know you mentioned about Periscope Summit, but um, we spoke last year at Social Media Marketing World, the largest. I got invited to speak there. I spoke in Denver last year. I spoke in New Zealand. I spoke in London. Uh, this year I'm hosting, or well, I'm, I'm not hosting it, but I'm the MC at one of the uh, summit events here in Australia. So... I, and that's what I love. I thrive on um, speaking in front of a crowd. You know, when I, when I saw Tony Robbins live uh, back in 98, that's 1998. For those guys who, of you who weren't born, Tony Robbins was around then. Um, <laughs> Anthony, and if, you're not, if you don't know who he is, just Google him, Anthony Robbins or Tony Robbins. But when I saw him in front with 5,000 people in Australia, I went, I want to do this. So for me, I, I, the more the merrier, uh, the bigger the crowd. And um, yeah, let's have some fun with it. But with social media, I don't know, mate. I just picked it up. I love it. And um, it's worked well for me and for my business. Um, but at the same time, it's a lot of work. People think, oh, 
you know, oh, look at you now. You And I don't have a massive following on these platforms. People, um, this is one, one thing I want. Okay, here's failure TV. Here's failure TV. Oh, my gosh, I've only got 7,000 followers. Oh, my gosh, I've only got 5,000 followers. I've only got 10,000 followers. I've only um, had 1,000 likes. When I show them my stats and some of my, my two accounts, one has 3,000 3060 and the other one has 3500 now my chocolate johnny one is you know just me with my my stuff and my coaching and you know helping small businesses and showing my life um but my interaction is massive uh my perfection chocolates the small business one is where i really want to show small businesses what to do so on my instagram account my perfection chocolates 3,600 or something. I don't know. I don't even look at the numbers, Cray. I don't, I don't care. All I care about is how many people have liked my, my post and how many people are engaging on my post. That's all I care about. Yeah. And then people say to me, oh, but, you know, how can you teach this when you've only got three and a half? I say, well, scroll down and have a look at this, the, the nitty gritty, the back end of the stuff. They come up to a post that I did. It had 590,000 views. They come up to a post with 250,000, 50,000, 60,000. This is on Instagram, not on YouTube. And they're like, oh, okay, now we get it. I said, yeah. The day you let go of how many people are watching, who, who's, you know, how many, you know, three, oh, I've only got 10,000. The day you let go of that is the day that you watch your account grow and your account thrive. And I, I think that relates all to every platform. So I don't care if you're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter. I think when you let go of the, the subconscious, the brain thinking, oh, I want, I want to be always on the numbers, on the numbers, on the numbers. When you Need let more go followers. of that. I need more followers. I've got to buy followers. I, oh my God, David's got 50,000. I've got to get 60,000 now instead of like, okay, well, who's talking to me? Um, I do a lot of live streaming. I don't know. I, I don't know if you said that in, in my introduction. I absolutely love live streaming. I'm on Periscope, which is Twitter based. And um, in, when I teach, um, I've got an online program that teaches small bricks and mortar businesses or and it's gone from small bricks and mortar business. I've gone now to entrepreneurs and people who want to learn how to live stream better for their business. Because nowadays, digital marketing, you know, your digital businesses, online entrepreneurs, digital CEOs, you know, these people need to learn how to, uh, how to um, live stream. And um, I, I have a technique. We, we, in Australia, we call it blue tack. I think in Canada, you call it the same. You roll up a bit of uh, blue stuff and you pin it and put it up on the wall and you put up your poster. Yeah. You guys have the same thing? Yeah. So what I what what I what I um what I do is any any platform that has numbers showing of who's watching, I tell my my uh, my clients and you know roll it up and stick it where the numbers are. I don't want you to see the numbers because you might have one person on there or you might have a million. You don't want to know how many people are watching. You want to know how many people are engaging with you. Absolutely. And, and these people are like, oh, but oh, that doesn't work. I said, no, it does because <laughs> going to sort of failure, what's the biggest insecurity we have when we're on live streaming? We're Nobody's looking at watching. the Exactly. 
bingo. That's the biggest failure. We're like, nobody's watching. What's even worse is when we've got 100 people watching and you're doing your stuff and you're talking and all of a sudden from 100, it goes to 30 or 50. How do you feel? You feel like crap. That's yeah. what everyone just left. Everyone just left. Now imagine if you had rolled up that blue tag, stuck it on there and didn't care and couldn't see the numbers. And all of a sudden you see the comments, people are making comments. Hey, Cray, love your work. Yeah, great. Da, 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 da. Where are you? And you start engaging with those people who are actually watching you. Totally different, totally different broadcast. Totally, Absolutely. It's, the, it's the same as doing a video as well. So, yeah. yeah, that actually, um, because we were talking about Gary Vee earlier, he had uh, a video that um, I can't remember what it was called, but he was talking about it. He doesn't care when he does interviews and stuff, what the following is on on those channels and stuff. He's done interviews with people with 100 followers. It's about, yeah. like you said, reaching that one person. If you only yeah. reach one person, you've done your job. If they loved it and got everything that they wanted out of it. Who cares if it was one or a thousand, you reach that. That will grow. But as long as you continually engage with people and give them something that they want to listen to and engage with, that's what you need to do. And I totally agree with you. And, and um, I've got an amazing business coach at the moment called James Wedmore. If, he's got a really good podcast. He, he says the same thing. He just, he just powers along. He just does his stuff. He just keeps going. And I mean, he's very successful now, but his engagement, he's always engaging with you, um, you know, and give credit to Gary V. The guy reaches out to as many people as he can um, mm -hmm. and engages with him. And, and now on his Instagram lives, he's bringing people in. So, you know, it is just so important that you've got one person, you're talking to that one person, that's, that's the most um, uh, important thing because that person could change your life to an amazing positive, uh, bring in a million people. Well, that one person could feel so amazing that they give you the best testimony that they saw you online. Well, that one person could become super, super wealthy and invest in you one day or that person could become your best friend. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't know that I, I've, I've actually, <laughs> I did, I used to do sort of small seminars teaching people. Um, and I remember one of them, I had 22 people and then one of them, I had one person turn up. <laughs> did I care? I didn't care. And no. I've spoken in front of thousands of people, but no, I didn't care. I, I gave that one person the same as I gave 8,000 people or 1,000 people or 500 people or 20 people. You know. uh, I've never had a thousand people. I think two uh, around 200 was the, the most I ever talked uh, in front of that uh, how design live in Chicago. But uh, I've done the same thing where, you know, three people showed up, but yeah. you turn it into more of a fireside chat than a talk, right? Like get them more involved. They, they were willing to show up. Like they came to see you. You may feel like a failure because only three people showed up, but three people showed up and like, yeah, I get the benefit of being one of the only people that showed up. And, and, I'm, and it's good you said that. You feel like you're a failure when you look at three people. Those three people think, oh, my God, we are so lucky. This is the best thing. This is not a failure, mate. This is a win. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Like <clears throat> One of my favorite failure stories that is the most common is that of Gorilla Glass. And that's the glass that's used on pretty much every smartphone these days. And that was actually developed in the 1970s by Corningware by complete accident. Um, 
the guy had put in the glass into the whatever they're called, the, the big heater things, and one of the gauges was broken. And when he pulled it out, it slipped out of the tongs. And instead of smashing, it bounced. And they created this glass that nobody wanted. It was, they couldn't sell it to anybody. Carbon free manufacturers didn't want it because it wouldn't shatter and people would get killed because they'd hit the windshield and nothing would happen to it. And yeah. so they couldn't figure it out until Steve Jobs showed up one day wanting, you know, thousands and thousands of square meters of a really thin, really resilient glass. And they pulled it out and worked on it some more. And thus Gorilla Glass was born from a faulty... Mate. Thing. Mate, I, I, I'll be honest with you, mate. I did not even know that story. So Gorilla Glass is is the glass that goes on the smartphones. Is that right? You're yeah, the, the screens are, are pretty much uh, Gorilla Glass, uh, especially iPhones. Like that's that's where it came from. Wow, that is awesome. That right? Is awesome. It's and a great story. It sat on a shelf for like 30 years. So you could have an amazing product, an amazing idea, but it just might not be the right time for it. So, you know, if if you leave it set on a shelf, there might be the right time to, to bring it back out and make yeah. a billion dollars off of it and literally change the world because that's what the smartphone did. Well, you know, you know, Cray, we've got so many stories of guys like, you know, Thomas Edison, I think it was, or, or the guy who did the light globe, the guy, you know, KFC guy, what's his name, Colonel Sanders, um, you know, so many people and James so Tyson. many, yes. Yeah, so, well, yeah, exactly. You get so many people, these small guys, uh, Richard Branson, who people wrote off as a young kid and now look at him. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, his yeah. original, I love reading about Richard Branson in his early days. Like it was him and a couple of his buddies in a basement and like they almost got kicked out because of how many people they had going in and out of there. They thought they were like selling drugs or selling drugs or something. Well, they had people coming in and out and they all look like, you know, young hippie kids. So, you know, and yeah, look, look what he is now. Like, yeah, he owns a bloody Island. So (laughs) the guy's guy's doing okay. He's He's one of the guys I got on my bucket list to meet. So yeah, he's, he's, I'd love to have, I'd love to have just 15 minutes of his time. Um, just, and I know he's most probably told his story, but to hear it personally, I think would be great. Absolutely, yeah. There's a, there's a, a number of people like that 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 I would love to to sit down and just chat with for for an hour or so. Like him, Bill Gates. Like I would have loved to do that with Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. Like he doesn't get uh, like Steve Jobs tends to get more of the the credit and the, and yeah. the PR stuff, but like Woz in and of himself is just a, a brilliant man who's doing brilliant things still. And Still, yeah, yeah, I know. That's what that's it's funny. He's the one who, um, yeah, you don't hear much about, but when you finally do the research on him, you're like, wow, this guy is the real deal, absolutely. And we, we could all be those real deals if if we try. Um, and I, I find it so sad when I hear people give up on their dreams because it didn't go somewhere, and it's just like, but don't give up, you, you got to keep going, you got to keep pushing on it, like. The, the number of times I've been rejected now, it just, it becomes second nature. Like expect the, to get rejected and then it's so awesome when you don't. <laughs> the other the other thing to that is, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Don't give up on your dreams. And you're going to have people say to you, oh, but you've been doing this for 10 years. Oh, you've been doing this for, you know, 20 years. Or you've been doing this for two days. It doesn't work. So nowadays, a lot of these young millennials and I, 
when I talk to them, I love talking to them. Some of these kids are amazing. And yeah. uh, the future for these kids uh, is phenomenal. Absolutely. They just don't realize what they have in their palm of their hand. Um, and I've said, and I've said, yeah, well, they just, it's in their back pocket and they don't realize <laughs> the power of it. And, uh, when they do, then they'll go, okay, now I get it. But they, um, you know, they, oh, I tried it for a week and it didn't work. Well, if that's what you really are passionate about, that's what you really love. Park it mm. on the shelf for a little while, but come back to it. Don't let it go totally. You know, that dream shouldn't be, oh, but my friend said this, my friend said that, or my dad said this, my dad said my mum, you know, or my cousin think I'm an idiot for doing it. Mate, don't worry about it. They don't have that vision. Mate, I'm 53. I'm now classified as a digital CEO, a digital online entrepreneur. I've been, uh, I've finally, um, through the help with um, uh, my coach and mentor, James Wedmore, and, and doing his courses, I finally have, for the first time, and, and I didn't realize that people needed my help. People want, I want to serve people. I've always said it on my broadcast. And they said, mate, why aren't you building an online program so people can, by the thousands, can come along, pay the money and listen to what you do and how you do it and how you've done it and how to, for them to be successful. I'm like, wow, cool. And I thought, nah, it can't be done. At the, you know, a few years ago, here I was thinking failure TV, failure not going to happen. Yeah. But guess what? I've done it. Cool. Okay, what's next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you'd mentioned there earlier, you know, people are saying, well, you've done this for so many years and, and this and that, but 10 years ago, you weren't doing it. You, you had to start somewhere. And I used to uh, I used to teach HTML and CSS uh, when I lived yep. in Calgary. And I, I could see when students had the aha moment and finally understood HTML. You, like you could see that switch, but they were always so frustrated at the beginning and they're like, oh, you're so good at this. You've been, I'm like, yeah, but if I could pull up the, the, my old GeoCities websites, you guys would be laughing. Like they were horrible websites. They were terribly done, terribly designed, poorly coded, but I still, I just kept going and I kept learning more and kept doing it more. And the more I did it, the more I learned, the more I knew. And once you see that aha moment in people and they figure out, I can do this. It's, it's the best feeling. It's, and, I know it's, it's great, isn't it? You like, you look at, you, you sort of step back and you think, wow, I just helped them do that. That's a really good feeling. Exactly. But people need to realize that it's going to come at different times. Um, I remember after, because it was, it was an eight-week class, and after the first night, this girl came to me in tears uh, after the class saying that she wouldn't be able to do this. I'm like, you know what? Give it one more class. See how you feel. Just understand that not everybody is going to learn at the same pace. Yeah, the people on either side of you, they pick this up like that. Like, that happens. But by the end of those eight weeks, she stuck with it and she was one of the best. She had one of the best end projects. She ended up being one of the best coders in that class. But oh, on wow. day one, she didn't think she could do it. She she was ready to drop the course because the people around her were doing it better than she was. Yet oh, at wow. the end, yeah. he was the one that was at the top of the class. So don't let that pull you down. Exactly. Exactly. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> totally is but uh once you get it it's it's the best feeling it really is well i've had people say to me how long you've been doing in the chocolate business and and i've this is my 29th year i've run the family business you know i'm not a billionaire i don't have um you know 
hundred thousand stores around the world. I'm, I've got a little chocolate store with, you know, some with some staff and family, and and you know, we make people happy. That's 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 yeah. to me that's a success. To others, it's not. But I don't care what other people think. I really don't. Exactly. You know what? <clears throat> exactly. And 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 you know what? I keep telling this to people when I when I when you know I have people coming up to me and, and trying to help them and inspire them. I say to them, you know, what other someone else is thinking about and saying about you is none of your business. So you know what? Don't get involved. Let them do their stuff. You do your stuff. And as long as you're proud and and doing the right thing for you and know that you're doing the right thing and respecting others, then don't worry. It's none of your business what that person thinks of you. So don't give them that energy and don't give them that, the, 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 the power to keep the power to yourself. So. Absolutely. You can't please all the people all the time. Nah, and, and trying is just, a, <laughs> it's a, I think it's the definition of insanity. <laughs> Exactly. To become, I think, to become the Prime Minister of Australia or the President of Canada, you need 51% of the people to like you. So as long as you get 51%, you get the votes. Exactly. Or in the case of the US, just if half the people don't show up to vote, somebody's going to win. Yeah, someone's going to win. So that's why. Someone's going to win. Why not it be you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why he's Canada and Australia, because we're a little bit different. Yeah, we're <laughs> de- definitely definitely a little bit better. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna say that than what's going on right now. I'm sorry, it's too too many issues right now. But yeah, and people need to realize that you know it it it's it's not about what what the other people think. It's it's what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. And if you're passionate about it, don't let anybody dull your passion because there are other people in this world that are just as passionate as you. And yeah, yeah like connect with them, reach out, make it happen. Because if you're passionate about it, you can make it happen. Yeah, I, of course. I think it's when you don't have that passion that things tend to fail or, or not go anywhere. Yeah. Totally agree, mate. Yeah. So anyway, it has been amazing having you on the show. One Thanks, final man. question for you. If you could give anybody uh, a piece of advice on getting started in a new business or trying out, uh, trying to keep a business going, what, what would you tell them? Starting a new business. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's go to retail. Uh, retail at the moment is going through a major, major shakeup. You know, we've got our friend Mr. Bezos with Amazon, um, and we've got Alibaba, and we've got so many other platforms that are, uh, are really taking over. So, I, in the retail space, I think um, you have to find a niche. And I think in any business, you have to find a niche. And the people then say to me, well, what is my niche? You're going to have to find it. There's something there that you're passionate about, that you love. So in retailing, you know, if you're thinking of opening up a retail store, please get some advice, financial advice from a bank, get financial advice from an accountant, get financial advice from 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 the, the appropriate people. Have a look at all your bells and whistles cross the T's, dot the I's, because retailing's tough. If you're on the digital side of it, if you want to start a business there, that's just as tough too, because you're thinking to yourself, oh, there's so many people doing it. You know what? There's enough for everyone. I think what you really need to do on the digital side is um, before you take the leap. So here's an example. Uh, if you're a baker 
in your baking at home and you're getting so many requests and, you know, you, you, you think from baking at home is too much. You can't do it anymore. What I suggest, and you're saying, oh, I've got to open up a little store. I would rather see a small baker, sorry, bake at home for an extra year longer and succeed than do it an extra year quicker and fail. And it's the same as in the digital space. I would rather see a digital entrepreneur do their research, do their, do their due diligence of what's around there, what people want, because you have something what you want. And if you think you're copying someone else, you're actually not. As long as you put your twist to it, your feedback to it, your input to it, your creativity to it, that's your stuff. So... I always say I would rather you wait a little bit longer, don't get impatient, and then pull the trigger on it. And that way you've got your, like I said, the T's crossed, the I's dotted, and the bells and whistles are all in place. So, yeah, that's what I would do if you're in small, in any type of business. It's always good to get advice. Have a look at uh, having a business mentor, having a, uh, look, I've got a business mentor at the moment. I'm 53 and I'm a veteran at, at, at running business. I've had business. I had a business in China, and this, but I've still got an uh, online um, business coach that I've met. And I think there's, n- there's nothing like investing in yourself, getting someone, align yourself with someone that you really love and respect. If that's, the, if that's Gary V, his stuff is free. Get on there. If that's uh, uh, James Wedmore, his stuff is on there. If that's Chocolate Johnny, his stuff's on there. If it's Cray, his stuff's on there. You align yourself with them, get in touch with them, get their advice as in watching what they're doing. And if you get to reach out to them and they, you get to talk to them, that's even better. Absolutely. That's some amazing advice all the way around. And uh, I, I don't think I could have said it uh, any better myself. Thanks, uh, No problem. Uh, again, thank you so very much for, for coming on the show this month. Um, for everybody watching Pleasure. and everybody listening at home, um, join us again next month. We'll have another great guest and uh, keep on failing.